0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. When you peel off all the layers of Christian doctrine, morality, ethics, all these things, when you peel off all the la- all the layers of the various aspects of spirituality and Christian living, at the very core of all of it, there is merely... And not to be overly simplistic, but really, there is one specific difference between somebody that is saved and somebody that is condemned. And it's showed in our Gospel reading today. And in many other Gospel readings. Many criticize Christianity in ancient times and today. Many criticize Christianity for supposedly neglecting justice because God is so merciful, Jesus is so good, Jesus so desires the salvation of everybody that he's practically desperate for it. That people say, so you're saying somebody can rape and kill and do and sell drugs and do all kinds of things for 90 years of their life and on their deathbed, a priest visits them, they tell the priest everything and then now they get a ticket to to the kingdom of God? How's that fair? This is the charge against Christianity by secularists, atheists, and and the like. Maybe it is unfair. In fact, how's that? It is the most unfair. I'll grant that. But that's kind of the point. God is unfair. God is not unfair to us. God is unfair to himself. God is unfair to himself on our behalf. In favor of us, God does not take vengeance on us, though he deserves it. That's what's shown in the Gospel reading today. A man had two sons, and the younger one, in total disrespect and total negligence of the love of his father, says, give me my inheritance now, which was owed to him only when he would die, only only when the father would pass. The son is essentially telling his father, you're dead to me already. We have no relationship. I don't care about you at all. All I care about is your money. And I'm getting kind of impatient with your life, so just give me the money now. And the father respects the son, shockingly. The father respects the son, and he gives him his inheritance. And what does the son do with it? It says in the gospel reading, He spends it on loose living, later on it clarifies it. He spends it on prostitutes, harlots. And he goes into a far country. It's not just that he wants his money immediately, but he also wants to go as far away from his father as possible, as far away from the house of his father as possible. He goes into hiding to go and do his deed quickly, swiftly, and from a distance. Look at the nature of evil. It has to happen fast and it has to happen far away, far from the eyes of anybody that loves one. In the Chaldean, it, uh, it makes a little bit more sense. I think, I think we get a better sense of the attitude or the um, let's say the feeling of the younger son when he's out and he realizes this life doesn't really fulfill. It doesn't satisfy. And in fact, it ends up becoming a, its own prison. He thinks that by receiving the money from his father's inheritance, that he's going to be free now. He'll leave the house of his father where he feels chained and enslaved. And now he's going to go into freedom, into a far country. He can do whatever he wants. He can be whoever he wants. He can identify as whatever he wants. No one can stop him. No one. From his father's house is going to tell him what to do or what not to do now he's in absolute freedom emancipation total liberality and what is total liberality total freedom distance from our origin and our home what does that mean? it ends up in slavery and it ends up not just in slavery but in an undignifying life he's now a slave to the closest person that would hire him And he's hired in order to feed the swine, pigs. And in fact, he's even less dignified than swine, than dirty pigs. I would gladly, he would gladly have ate from the pods that the swine ate, but no one would give him. He's now worse than dirt, essentially. This is the message, part of the message of this gospel reading, is that we seek freedom, we seek emancipation, we seek to go into a far country and to do whatever we want to, wherever we want, in whatever way we want, nobody's going to tell us anything, Go do it. Try it. Try it out. See how it goes for you. It's not going to go well. You're going to end up a slave like the rest and like the younger son in this gospel reading. In the Chaldean, it says it nicely. Could, I love that saying. When it's In English, it's translated, when he came to himself, it's nicer in Chaldean, when he woke up to himself. When he woke up to himself, he's living... In living in this total emancipation and and this total freedom, partying and doing whatever he feels like doing, wasting all of his money, he's living in a dream world and a fantasy world. And now finally reality kicks in because he's living in such dire straits, because he's living in such poverty, because he finally realized his slavery. Now he awoke. Now he's no longer living in the dream because reality will always win. Reality will always win. And it does. And he wakes up from his dream. From the from the world that he created for himself, and he says, "I lost my status as a son. I no longer am worthy to be called the son of my father. But let me go back and just beg my father not to receive me as a son because I don't deserve that anymore." but to receive me just as a servant. Let me just go back to the house of my origin. Now, this is beautiful. And I wanna say that Jesus is implicitly telling us something here. We sin, all of us sin. But when we wake up from our sin, when we wake up from the dream world that we create for ourselves, the response should be humility. Going to God, going to people that we've offended and saying, I'm sorry, I've messed up and I don't deserve the privileges that I had before, but let me have some semblance of them if in your mercy you would allow me to. God though, who is being played by the father of these two sons, God doesn't want us to be servants. God does not want us to be slaves. He does not want us to have the status of slavery. Or of servitude God desires us to be sons and daughters he wants us to be members of his household no matter what we've done he wants to receive us back as sons and daughters as full-fledged members of his family as those that would inherit all of his riches and as citizens proper citizens in his own kingdom with all the rights of his own son Jesus Christ despite our sins that's why the father in the, in the parable, he doesn't just say, let's make a deal. You know, maybe if, uh, if you work for like a year or so and, you know, you do well and I see that you haven't made any mistakes in a long time, then you can come back as a, as a servant and then maybe later on work your way up as a, as a nobleman or something like that. But to be son again, it's going to take some time. He doesn't say any of these things. On the contrary. He doesn't even allow his son to finish the sentence that he prepared. The son wanted to say, I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Hire me as one of your, treat me as one of your hired servants. The son goes, the father runs to him. He sees him. He embraces him. He kisses him. And the son says, he begins his prepped speech and he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The dad just cuts him off completely. Doesn't let him finish the sentence. He just cuts him off. He says, I don't, I don't want to hear it anymore. Thank you. Let's, let's move on with life now. He told one of his servants, bring the best robe. Quickly, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Bring the fatted calf. We're going to have a feast. That's God. Jesus, this is otherwise... Mentioned by Christ when he says the kingdom, the the angels in heaven rejoice more over one sinner who repented than over 99 who needed no repentance. In heaven, a party is thrown among the angels of God when one of us repents. But let's move on with the story a little bit. So far, what have we learned? We're sinners. We stray from the Father's house constantly. And yet God is always looking out for us. And that when we even turn around back to him, he runs to embrace us, takes us back to himself, and he throws a party. He rewards us for coming back and does not punish us for going away. Moving on with the story. Then you've got the older son. And the older son... He sees, or he hears, singing and dancing. He's wondering what's going on. He asks one of the servants what's happening, and the servant says, oh, your brother's come back. Your dad has thrown a party for him. And he is indignant, he's upset. He's upset that his younger brother is being thrown a party for him. He is jealous. And all the work that he's done for his father, all the, all the privileges that he has from his father's house have just been thrown out of the window because he goes to his father, and, or his father comes to him and he's begging him to come hang out, come to the party. And he says, no, I have served you all these years. I've never disobeyed you. And you've never done anything for me. And yet your, brother, your son, who spent his money on prostitutes, you've given him the fatted calf. And the father's answer is great. Son, you've always been with me. All that is mine is yours. You see, the son, the older son, has revealed his true self. It's not enough that I'm a son of God. It's not enough that I inherit the kingdom of God. I want pleasure. I want the things of this world. I want to have a good time. I want to be entertained. I want to be the center of attention. I want all these things. It's not enough for me that God has dignified me and elevated me to the status of son that I get to dwell in the house of the father. The son, the older son, has revealed his true colors. All of his obedience is just for a silly, frivolous, and superficial reward, a party. All of his work is just so that he can become the center of attention. It's not out of love of the father. So notice that... Neither the younger nor the older son really love the father well. But I go back to my first point. There's only one specific difference between somebody that's saved and somebody that's condemned. Somebody that's condemned does not receive, does not acknowledge mercy and forgiveness. Somebody that is saved receives and humility, the mercy and the forgiveness of God. The point is, every single one of us is in need of God's mercy at all times. And in response to that mercy, we are humbled. If that is the case, we can be quite confident that by the grace of God, we are saved. But if our hearts are hardened, if we refuse humility, if we refuse simplicity, if we refuse turning back to God the Father, if we refuse repentance, then we can be assured that we're not on the way of salvation, that we are going the way of the older son. But if you can acknowledge, like I can, that we are sinners, like the younger and the older son, each in our own ways, then hopefully all of us can turn to the Father and say, I'm not worthy to be called your son or your daughter. Treat me as one of your servants, and God will say, I'm going to get you a robe, I'm going to get you a ring, I'm going to make you a son, a daughter, I'm going to give you the kingdom. Amen.